0: Huge space! look how fast he's going, polar opposite to the conditions he won in Lord. rain soak Lourdes. Getting the last step down, the crowd is roaring, he is going to do it, he's going to smash the time. Oh, oh,
1: Downhill racer and our expert here today, Andrew Needling.
0: Hello and how's it? This is Moving the Needle podcast and if you're new to the show, well welcome, this is Andrew Nietling. I'll be your host. Guys, in this week's episode, I do intro him in person so you're going to kind of hear it again. But I really wanted to kind of dive into Matt a little bit more. It's Matt Macduff. He actually had me on his podcast that released uh, last week or two weeks. I can't keep up with the internet. So make sure you go and follow his podcast. Make sure, if you like, you can see what it was like for him to interview me. He really digs into all things, you know, really. It was quite a personal interview. I try to open up as much as I could, be honest about my career, be honest about my the good and the bad, the failings, the challenges I have actually now post-retiring. So if you want to hear about all that, search in the podcast platforms. It's the Matt McDuff Show. He's really inspiring me because he's on a big growth journey. He's trying to improve his riding. He's trying to improve his life. So I really respect him for that. And I knew a lot about Matt, especially back in the day, super creative rider. And I knew he just was all about pushing the limits. And it got a bit much. He, um, went out and he built this crazy loop of doom. It was actually in South Africa in Neisner, 40 foot high or something like that, and he had a most horrific, horrendous crash. He almost died. It is really um, almost a miracle that he's back riding and pushing the limits like he is now. So guys, without further ado, enjoy this wide-ranging conversation where we get into all things, ego, Whether it's good or bad, maybe where it comes from, what we feel. You know, we're all learning in this journey. um, What motivates him, why he's so creative. So guys, be sure to, you know, give me some feedback on this one because I think it's quite raw as well. So enjoy this one. Well, podcast fans, I've got an interesting one, a crazy one. It is none other than his Skype name is Macdubs Macduff. I know him as Big Egg Macduff. He's become so famous for this infamous forty-foot loop of doom, but I knew him from before that. He's one of the most creative riders out there. He pushes the limits. How are you doing, Matt McDuff?
1: I'm doing good, man. Um, really excited to 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 be here and to sit down with you. And you know, I'm a big fan as well. And I think this is going to be a really cool uh, conversation. You know, I've been following your podcast a bit, and also doing you know some podcasting myself. So I think this is a great be a great conversation, Matt. I'm stoked. Well, it's been a long
0: time coming, I think. We've been teasing that we'd do one, we'd have each other on, and I've been pretty excited about it, but clearly we've uh, been busy with uh, our own lives and, and podcasts as well. And um, tell me, Matt, for the listeners at home, where, where did like the riding and especially the creative side of your riding start? Just like fill in some that maybe are maybe from the downhill side or following my side and not you know that caught up on your side of riding?
1: Yeah, where did the creative writing uh, start? I mean, um, so when I was growing up, uh, my uncle was an artist. Um, uh, my other uncle uh, builds wooden boats and is a wooden one of the best wooden boat builders on the West Coast. Uh, you know, art has been kind of in the family, and. I did a lot of art growing up and made, you know, painting and drawing and all that stuff, but I also enjoyed team sports. And then when I discovered, uh, action sports, you know, first was skateboarding. It was just like the perfect combination for me to express myself because, you know, art wasn't really, didn't really quite do it. And team sports didn't really do it, but action sports was like the perfect combination of, of the two. And, when I got into mountain biking, it was quite flat, uh, where I was from, uh, luckily we had a, a, neighborhood woods with some, with some hills. And, you know, all I saw was crank five and, uh, you know, movies like that. So we just got out there in the woods and started building jumps and doing whatever we could just to be like the movies. But quickly, you know, as my riding progressed, um, I kind of felt like there was nothing uh, like like the, the the features didn't exist for the tricks that I wanted to do. Like, you know, I would um, go to the skate park and have an idea for a trick, and I just couldn't do my trick because there just isn't the right feature for that, you know, trick. So I would draw it down, and you know basically would happen for for years and years and then eventually it just became so much that i had to start building stuff in the woods and build these uh you know these these features to do tricks and yeah it just kind of grew like that and that's basically how my building started my building career was just because a lot of the things that i wanted to ride just didn't exist and I knew that the only way I could make them exist is if I built them myself. So I guess maybe that answers your question.
0: It definitely does. It's at the point that you just couldn't you know, go to sleep at night without knowing you had to kind of bring these creative ideas to light. And I've heard that you've kind of got a famous book of all these sketches. And and before I had met you, I I definitely heard of you. And I'll be very honest. I was like, this guy's mad, but not mad in a bad way, just like, I couldn't fathom that you just had this you know, this innate desire need to build these crazy things, like some of the things you came up with even before this loop of doom. Uh, I'll be honest. I honestly thought you were mad.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, you know, and it's been a learning curve because um, I think that I had to definitely tone down the crazy. And when I look back at my younger years, I definitely had the crazy dial a little too high. And, and I mean, you know, to be completely honest, man, not much has changed. I just dial the crazy needle down a little bit. And I realize I understand the mountain bike community and and my community a little more. So I just tone it down a little bit. So I try not to scare anyone uh, away (laughs) these days because yeah, man, like when you, you got a crazy haircut and you're, you're, you're telling people that you got to build these crazy things to express yourself and ride and you know it can really frighten a lot of people especially at the scale that that I was aiming to do that stuff on so yeah i'm not surprised that you were you were scared <laughs> and, and thought that I was crazy um because I think a lot of people did and uh you know that that's that's why I had to crowdfund my my project when I did the loop because I think a lot of people were just like no way you're gonna kill yourself but you know and it's a you know it's just like life it's it's ever never-ending learning right you just grow older and and you, you become wiser and, you know you still have this and drive to to express yourself you know in whatever it is and you know it's still it's still building crazy stuff and and riding it so yeah
0: well I don't think you need to change at all but what I'm hearing is you're kind of managing it but without this let's say air quotes crazy or mad people like who else do we look at to progress and do like the world's first like these these Loop de loops or loop of dooms, which we're talking about. So maybe describe to the listener what this loop is, you know. And and there were daredevils. I mean, I rem- listened to your podcast. You know, in the nineteen hundreds, these guys were were doing these loops on bicycles that really weren't capable of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's crazy when you really think about it, and you get down to the origin of cycling. Um, I'm a bit of a history nerd in a sense. I'm not like the best at history and, and remembering things, but but I but I go through phases where I'll dive right into a subject and like I, I grew up fixing antique clocks for my grandfather, so I was very um, in innate in history in my family, you know, like artists and kind of doing these crazy jobs. So I was always kind of fascinated with like the turn of the century and a lot of, especially the 19th century, There's a lot of crazy things happening along that time. Like, you know, electricity was invented and you have the battle of, um, you know, like Edison, you know, basically with his electrical system. And then all of a sudden, you know, all this crazy things were happening. And then you have the bicycle was kind of thrown into the mix and, you know, which which led to motorcycles. And there was just this like massive um, 20, 30 year span of just like innovation. It's crazy, because if you look at like right now, it's kind of like the same thing is is uh, is happening. So looking into that area error was where I. You know, kind of stumbled across these photos of these guys riding bicycles upside down on loop-de-loops. And the first one I came across was actually, I thought it was fake for sure, and it was a dude in a top hat, and um, he's flying upside down on a loop-de-loop with no middle in it. And I was just like, how is this possible? <laughs> like, this guy... You know, he's 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 doing a loop with no middle and he's wearing a top hat, you know, and I, I'm, it's just so many questions, because at the time, um, the only person who'd ever done anything like that was Bob Burnquist, And uh, when he took the, the top off of his off of his open loop. So I just kind of like felt like I tapped into this crazy story this like forgotten secret of history that, that, that almost like unlocking a tomb in Egypt for the first time, you know, and I just came over this massive, well, I wouldn't say massive, but just enough information to find out that it was actually real and what kind of bikes these guys were riding and what kind of stunts they were doing. their, their stories You know, and they were just absolutely remarkable. And they were so inspiring. These guys were the first action sport athletes. You know, these guys were the first um, dudes on bicycles doing stunts for people to get paid. And uh, it it was just so fascinating to me. And I, I just couldn't understand why it was forgotten. So I wanted to bring it back, you know, and kind of pay tribute to these guys and see how I could, um, see, see how I could, you know, basically build off of all the work that they had done, you know, over a hundred years ago, which is, which was so cool for me. And it just made, uh, it just made biking and cycling just so much more fun. And, yeah, I remember doing the history and, and, and like reading up on it. And I basically just copied their, their style of, of, ramps. And, um, I learned a lot actually about ramp design because of these guys. And it was, yeah, it was really cool. And I remember building my first one and just being like, like, like so scared. i had to look at it for weeks and eventually, you know, I got to ride it and I almost killed myself. I almost fell off the top know because i didn't have enough speed at the top and uh almost fell out of it but luckily i designed it well enough i was able to ride away and the ramp had lots of room to catch me so i landed it no problem and i dialed it in i must have rode that loop almost a thousand times i just loved it
0: so for the listener at that's kind of
1: how it yeah got yeah started. like
0: Because I'm picturing and I'm obviously I've seen the pictures and I was I've actually been to where the loop of doom was, which obviously we're going to get to that. That's exciting. But for the listener at home, like, is it fair enough for me to say, okay, if you don't know what we're talking about, picture a gigantic hamster wheel. But you can come into this thing kind of from the side and then go up and around the hamster wheel or around the loop and it's enclosed and then you ride out the other side going forward again. So you basically do a huge backflip, but your bike's, you know, touching the wooden structure at all times. Is is that a fair enough description of what you were doing, and then these crazy daredevils back in the nineteenth, well, the turn of the nineteenth century?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's completely accurate, and it was, it was uh, man, it it's so funny because I had this this uh, compound that I built at a at a friend's house and. I had so many features that I had built, and designed. I would have, I would invite people over that didn't know anything about bikes, and I would walk them through the facility. And you know, I, I would ask them, you know, if there was one thing in here that you really want to see me ride right now, what would it be? And everybody said the loop. Like for for you know, yeah, man, I must have brought maybe 30 people through and every single person said the loop. And uh it, yeah there's just something about loops, man. They were just totally attracted people. So so I uh you know, I, on my on my research there, I was like, okay, well if I was ever to pick one of these features and kind of, you know, go go bigger with it, I would I would choose the loop because there's just something about loops that just attract people like even when you go on online and you look at like water slide loop or 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 anything to do with the loop it's like just so many views people love to watch it it's crazy
0: and these um guys like back when they started doing this i mean if you think about it that's like the start of action sports stunts daredevils if you think about it
1: yeah totally i mean a lot of people think it started with the evil Knievel and I mean a big, in a big sense, it, it really did. I mean, he was one of the first guys to basically create uh, sponsorship deals, you know, with sponsors um, and licenses for, for jumps and all that stuff. You know, he really, he really paved the way for the modern action sport athlete, but yeah, if we want to look at, guys doing extreme shit on bicycles and the first time that it was ever recorded and there was ever athletes designated to do, to do stunts. Yeah. That is the very first time. And it's cool. Um, you know, there's some great articles online of these guys, um, you know, uh, getting arrested for staying out too late with prostitutes on the streets and, um, (laughs) <laughs> and like you know people thought they were crazy because they were basically paid a lot of money to do these stunts and and there were certain guys it was cool there were certain personalities like one guy was really reserved cj carter he was you know he'd drink his tea and he was actually a painter and you you probably never would have known that he was this you know looper they would call him. and then there was other guys that were quite unreserved and and uh, would basically descend on the the village or town or city just wreak havoc so it's it's very true i think to action sport athletes today i think there's you know very a lot of similarities between these guys even a hundred years or more later
0: i would think it's pretty fair to assume that they would feel pretty invincible Uh, accomplishing some of these feats? Because, I mean, people were dying trying these things, right, for next to no money in the beginning.
1: Yeah, I mean, the beginning is kind of shady. But to my knowledge, there basically was a loop, and they lined up a bunch of guys to try and hit it. And everyone basically was destroying themselves and then there was this one guy um who was a bicycle racer and he well, went around the loop and,
0: races with the skill right
1: yeah exactly, <laughs> exactly 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 and uh he actually you know if you're a racer loops are really good i think they you know, it would definitely come more natural than, than a freestyle guy but anyway anyways um yeah, there's, there's that story where there was a bunch of guys lined up and I think it was like over 600 people attempted and no one could do it.
0: No ways. Is that how bad it was in the beginning to get someone around one? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 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 And it took, I believe it took a year or so. But, uh, but then there's another story where he actually developed it himself and... like the guy who had it consistently, he developed it himself and presented it to the circus. And then they kind of looked for guys to, to, to support him in the act. And he couldn't find anybody basically for, for a number of years. Um, and then there's also another story of a loop in, uh, in France, that they did for the the turn of the century and the 19 in the 1900 like for the for the turn of the century it was a new year's act and that would be the earliest one ever recorded but that is sketchy in itself like you'd actually have to go to the facility where where uh or it was done and see the records because I can't find anything online. So there's like kind of these three origin stories and I'm not really sure which one's true.
0: It's fascinating to me, man. But let's fast forward a little bit to where you started, you know, pushing the limits. And and, and I obviously know that you've got famous for, and if you go online, um, we'll link to it in show notes, and, and Matt has got videos up there. Um, the loop of doom that you set out to to do, and I, you've obviously been made famous for. It. And I think this reflection you're doing, and what what it's forced you to become and and grow as a person, is going to be what you're actually known for in the years to come. But start helping me understand when you were just like couldn't get away from this idea to push the limit and build this huge was a 40 foot high
1: loop of doom. Yeah. um, So the loop of doom. So, so I'm in this, this earlier facility, you know, where I'm walking people through, um, you know, and everyone wants to see me ride the loop. And I just, I was, I just couldn't understand, you know, so, so when, so when I ended up going to South Africa for the first time um, with Sam Reynolds, and a bunch of other guys, um, he they introduced me to the to the trail park, and there's this guy there, Rob, from the trail park, and I remember we, um, we were building this, like, you know, we were hooking up with the guys from Monster Energy, and they were like, yeah, there's this guy from the trail park, and he wants to build you some jumps, and at the t- time, me and Sam had been hanging out quite closely, and we would send, you know, there there was a couple people that were looking to build us some stuff. And we would send them dimensions and we would show up and everything would be way smaller than what we wanted. So when we kind of spoke to this guy, Rob, we kind of almost like doubled everything as a joke and sent it to him, expecting that it would be half of what... Uh, of what we planned for, you know, we showed up and it was exactly the right size that we asked for. And we were like, Holy shit. And then that spawned, you know, pure darkness and, and all that stuff. And this guy, Rob was basically like, all right, boys, like you guys are these world-class riders. Um, I want this bike park to be world famous. Um, you know, and, I, and I'm ready to do whatever it takes. And I was like, I was like, well, Rob, I'm your guy. Like, I know exactly how we can make this bike park like the most insane bike park that anyone has ever seen. You know, <laughs> and I just pulled out my book and started showing him some stuff. And, uh, and, you know, obviously he was a little bit timid at first and it was really controversial. Uh, you know, even Reynolds was like, dude, what are you doing? not smart you're gonna so die even,
0: even reynolds at the time was like didn't like the idea of the size of the sloop.
1: man nobody did nobody did not not one single person i spoke to you know i would go because man years before this opportunity happened i would speak to people about it and they would just turn white and leave you know event organizers were like absolutely not and companies wouldn't uh, support me to, to train properly for it. Even, you know, and so it's kind of hard, you know, as a young man, you're kind of growing up and you feel this, this deep need to prove yourself, but also this calling to like do this stunt, you know, and, or to ride, to ride these loops, you know, just like the, just like the forefathers and the original guys of action sports. So it was a tough, it was a tough situation for me because obviously, uh, you know, like Reynolds is really intelligent and all my friends at ride are really intelligent. And when all of them tell you to do something that like not to do something that in your bones you feel really strongly and deeply to do, it's like really, yeah, it creates some some turmoil for sure. But anyways, um, Rob was like, hell yeah, let's build this loop. So. I uh I made some pretty, you know, big, big moves and put all my chips on the table and spent all my money, you know, making this this giant massive structure and I had some of my best friends come over to 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 help me build it and we worked super hard for 4 weeks and we actually milled, we cut down the trees, we we milled up the lumber ourselves. Um it was quite an it was quite an extraordinary project, and I mean, like if you look at that thing, like like out of wood, it, you know, it's complete. It's a complete art piece, or at least it was. Like I don't think humans have really, you know, built stuff out of wood like that for, like you know, hundreds, hundreds of years. So it's cool. It was so cool to be a part of that, and it was a lot of hard work and stuff. But and my team just my team so down. And it's funny, man, because I actually part of the reason why it also happened in South Africa, too, was because I couldn't afford the insurance to do it here in Canada. Like when I was looking into doing it in here in Canada without a partner, um, just the insurance alone, you know, would have cost the whole budget that I had to build the thing. So
0: what like an in, invent insurance or health insurance?
1: Uh like yeah, invent insurance. Like just insuring the landowner that you know
0: that someone can do the craziest stunt of all time in mountain biking.
1: Well, no, not that, but to to if there was to be an accident.
0: Yeah, basically. no the so, liability
1: so he wouldn't be scooter. Yeah, it was the liability side it was quite um quite high as you could uh as you could imagine.
0: So walk me through when you so people must obviously Google it and will link to the YouTube video and the pictures. It's just I I I physically in person saw the thing, and again I told you I thought you were mad before, but I was. But like when I say mad, I've got so much respect that that you would push through and and commit to something like that. So once you'd got the structure in the air, like talk me through. I mean, I want to dig into the why, the how, and and what forced you to kind of. I know you talk about the ego and and your upbringing and all that, but like, can you take us back to like, you build this huge structure and now you've got to commit to getting
1: around it? Yeah, well, it was crazy. I mean, you have these, like, I was managing the money and I was digging the holes, you know, I was cutting the wood, I was doing everything you know pulling like 16 hour days just to get this thing done and my uh you know full four of my best friends flew out and they were doing the same thing we were just all completely invested into this project and you know it was really coming down to the wire with weather and unseen complications and you know it really yeah the build the build ended up taking a lot longer than it was supposed to and you know flights to africa are pretty expensive you know and and it's funny now I wouldn't even think about it but at the time um, everyone's flight were coming up and we all changed our flights to the last possible day that we could and the night before we had to drive back to Cape Town to get our flights was the night that we finished the loop so I had like a morning to basically like tee this or just leave it there for a very very long time and it's crazy now i remember we were supposed to go shark cage diving in the morning and i mean this just kind of speaks to how crazy i was but like i was like literally i was gonna wake up go shark cage diving and then tee up this 40 foot loop like it was no big deal (laughs) and uh thank god they got shark cage diving got canceled and uh i was just there with the loop and i remember being just so exhausted i remember waking up in the morning and it was raining and i was like thank god i can finally sleep in because you know before that i think it'd been you know almost a month of just straight work so you know a lot of things happen to you when you're working so hard you're not sleeping right eating right like and you're obviously under a lot of stress you know it, it begins to taint your thought process you know so as a young man i was really up against all the odds like everyone was telling me i was going to die um only my core friends thought i was going to stick it and you know it, just building the thing alone without any energy drink sponsors or you know, real support was that, 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 and it's, that in its own right is, is a feat in itself, you know, and just bringing it into existence. And then, and then, and then only having like a morning to, to really like scope it out and, and go for it. You know, when I look back at that. It's just like, it's just so crazy. Like how could you expect anyone to succeed um in that type of environment you know and I, I don't even know how I lived man because it's crazy cuz when I remember being up at the roll in and it was just like are you going to let all these people down you know of course not you know you you're not going to let these people down and are you going to are you going to walk out of here like and not give this thing a go like a lot of riders or athletes you know, will tell you that, you know, if you don't give something 110%, you know, it'll keep you up at night. And I just, I was just ready. I would rather, you know, I was much, I was ready to just give it a try and, and then to, you know, walk away without, without trying it. So I just, I just had to try it, you know?
0: Had you like at any time like thought about the consequences, or were you kind of just so gung ho about trying it and maybe lack of sleep, so you're not making good thought processes, good decisions? Like, did you did you have a process where you're like, "Should I could really get hurt here," but like I'm committed to this, like I'm I accept the consequences?
1: Yeah, totally. You know, it's crazy, but uh, yeah, man, I was I was ready for all the consequences. Wow. Um, I thought about them quite often. And I was ready. I was ready to accept it, man. I thought that I figured it out. Um, I thought about it for so many years that, uh, in my head at that time, there was just no way I was going to crash. Like I was already around the thing. I was already selling this thing to like shows. I was already saving my money to buy land
0: you were really you know f- I mean?
1: and famous like was, and getting all the girls i was miles yeah dude i was miles ahead you know and uh and and uh and uh yeah i fully accepted all the consequences which is funny because you know you, you, i would run through all these mental exercises and and accept the consequences or of what i thought of the consequences but you know it wasn't until i uh i i flew out of the thing and i was flying through the air um that i you know really had a deep regret for uh for you know not taking life more seriously basically you know like i remember flying through the air and just being like like really man you know this beautiful thing this beautiful life you just fucked it all up
0: (laughs) did you you honestly had the time to in the air while you were because like for the listener that hasn't seen it he you crashed out at the very top you had the time before you hit the ground to protest and make these sort of thoughts
1: dude it was insane like i never experienced anything uh so violent in my life and i uh I, i don't think many people do and live and um you know, just the forces that my body was under inside the loop. And when I got to the top, it just, all of it, like just multiplied. And, uh, I, I actually punched myself like, like in the face, thrown against the handlebars, like basically just, you know, thrown against the roof of this structure because I was going way too fast. And, um, yeah, I remember like the big hit at the top, and then all of a sudden, like you know, your head on the handlebars, and then by the time I was looking up, um, and came to my senses, I realized that I had left the loop, and that I was in the air, and then that was the yeah, for sure, I had enough time to, to to basically go like, like oh yeah, and you're dead. <laughs> like, you this is it.
0: That fucking came like, you, to mind.
1: You. you, you fu- yeah, 100%. Like I 100% thought I was dead. Um and I thought that I was going to die um right until I saw the ground actually. And as soon as I saw the ground, I was like, "Okay. You know what? You might live, but you're for sure losing your legs." And then I hit the ground and uh I remember just rolling over and wiggling my toes. And man, it was like that was the best. That was the best feeling ever, man. I didn't give like I wiggled my toes. I was so stoked, and then I remember looking at my 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 hand, and it was completely just like you know didn't even look like a hand anymore. And I was like, oh well, like you know, can't oh, well. win them all, you know. But at least at least I got my legs, and it was crazy, man. Like you know, it was really a deep regret that i felt you know one for not respecting life but another for letting all the all of my friends down that were were there that day you know i really felt a deep responsibility to to them and all their 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 efforts that they you know put in to help me get this opportunity and i felt like i really blew it and yeah i had a deep deep regret you know you can ask any of them Apparently, I was just apologizing over and over again. They're like, dude, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, So, you know, they were just happy I was alive.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking like there's no ways any of these guys uh, regret any of helping you. And and they didn't need you. They just wanted to support you, whether you did it or didn't. I mean, they would be happy if you did, happier than seeing you on the ground. But that's funny how you're processing like how bad you feel that, that you haven't done it for them, but they not there for that. They didn't give a shit. They just wanted you healthy.
1: Yeah, totally. And it just speaks to the brotherhood that we bonded, you know, the brotherhood that we had, like, you know, these, these guys were going to war for me, man. Like, and, uh, they really sacrificed a lot and really worked hard, like way harder than, than any guy should work. Um, and yeah i really i felt a deep responsibility to them, you know, and uh yeah, they were you know they were obviously stoked, it was alive and stuff, but they definitely you know everyone had a little bit of PTSD for sure after that what what was it's crazy you know like oh yeah, sorry what were you no no
0: no uh, please carry on on that like i'm wondering what the trauma was like and and the aftermath of realizing you could have died, but you didn't.
1: Well, you know, personally, I'll start with well, start with others, you know, like when you see one of your close friends like, you know, almost die or a horrific accident, someone you really care about, family member, whatever it is, when you see it with your own eyes, it's a tremendously horrific experience. You know, that's what happens when guys go out to war and they come back from war, you know, it's it's post-traumatic stress disorder is when you know someone you love is is uh you know killed or almost killed it can definitely fuck you up you know and i think a lot of people were fucked up from the accident like it's really the footage is terrible it's just watching someone die you know and on a personal level it was hard for me because um kelly mcgarry died i remember and it was just like it was just like he died like riding his bike i think you know just climbing a hill and his heart just gave out you know like i could be wrong about that but i that, I think that's how do you, do you know how he passed
0: yeah i mean there were complications but he, he was out there on, on Fern Hill as far as I know New Zealand, yeah. Um, and and yeah, he wasn't doing a, a crazy jump or stunt or anything, yeah.
1: Yeah, so here we have, you know, Kelly McGarry fucking dies and I'm alive. I'm like, how am I still alive? This makes no sense. You know, and I had a very uh, kind of, uh, I just couldn't believe that I was alive and that I deserved to, to be alive after, um, how I basically treated life, you know? And there was just so much more that came out of that. And also, you know, coming home with, with no money, you know, zero, zero dollars, um, completely broken body like everything was everything was broken and then you know my my family had to look after me and and bring me back to to health and you know at the time you know obviously now everything's fine I'm healthier I'm stronger than ever but you know at the time um it was quite serious the injuries were really serious you know the the, like it was looking like uh i was going to have some serious pain for the rest of my life my wrist my 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 right wrist was never going to work and my right leg um would be you know completely basically like like a peg you know <laughs> 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 you know, no ankle movement, just a peg. So like running was out of the question, riding was out of the question, you know, you're never going to hang on to handlebars. So like this whole, you know, we all have these uh, thoughts, you know, for our future, these projected thoughts, you know, of what you think your life could be, you know, what you dream your life could be. And, you know, at that moment, all of that was, was taken away and it was, it was was very it was very difficult and You know, like any, any, for, for any man in particular, it's, you know, we want to support the tribe and to be, uh, to be someone who takes a lot of energy from the tribe, you know, because of some actions that they did, uh, it it was, it was really hard to, uh, to, to deal with. And I'm sure you could relate, you know, being hurt.
0: Yeah, but, but not on not on that level. But I can imagine there was a lot for you to process. Obviously you're back loving your writing again and, and you've started a podcast to take people on this journey and you've been so authentic and, and sharing so many reflections that that I've learned from already. So I thank you for that and I think it's really courageous to do like the serious thinking because you could just come back from this and your body starts working again and then you know, manage some of this ego and, and get back to trying to take on the world. But it seems like you've really processed, like, why you went out and did it. And you've quoted things like, you know, if the cameras weren't there or people weren't watching, like, you wouldn't have even gone for the loop. Like, you, you've really made a an understanding that there was this ego and, like, um, need f- to kind of – I'm not sure what the correct word is. Maybe you can help me with that on, like, you know –
1: the need to be the man.
0: Yeah, like to get famous and to kind of like show people you the shit. Like I understand that. Like I, I race at the top level and, you know, the ego gets kind of pushed on you as well even though you're normally just there to kind of work on a goal and get better. But, you know, there's there's things that come with getting better and then I'm wondering what you're chasing. So, yeah, help help us understand that for, for the listeners at home.
1: Well, you know, I think the you know, I laid it down perfectly in a in a little podcast I did um over on my channels which I'll send to you to for listeners to to link up. But you know, a lot of young men, you know, you go through life and a lot of us feel a need to to, to prove ourselves. And action sports are the the perfect opportunity for that, you know, because there's, there's a bit of risk, you know, um, there's, there's danger, there's, it's physical, but it's also mental and it just tests all your, you know, all your capabilities as, as a man and your peers give you respect, you know, for it. So I was basically addicted to that and it started out small it was a small addiction where um, it, it was just the guys in the neighborhood, and eventually it grew to the whole mountain bike community. And when the mountain bike community wasn't enough, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm going for the whole world," you know. <laughs> 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 and uh, and 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 that's what I did. I went for it, dude. And you know, maybe I was, I I think in a in a in a sense I was pretty close and I was definitely on to something but it was just for the wrong it was for the wrong reasons and it was I'm so thankful for that day that I crashed cuz it really forced me to take a big step back and look into myself as a man and you know do some serious growing and answer some some big questions you know and it was almost like until I didn't answer those questions I wasn't going to get my health back and You know, in hindsight, if I look at those times and who I was, if I was to land that loop that day, you know, for sure, with all the, the, you know, if I would have became famous, if I would have gotten super rich, you know, I definitely would have turned into, you know, a terrible guy and probably died, you know, years, years later, you know, just like, you know, like probably would have been like a ryan dunn you know driving a sport car super fast and crash whatever now i mean it's hard to say what would happen but i like to think that the universe is out there looking out for you and it's got your back and and uh definitely definitely much more equipped these days to to handle all that stuff after going through all that experience you know
0: so you kind of believe it's like the universe way of like slapping you in the face, kind of giving you a check to check yourself.
1: Well, you know, dude, we all need, we all think we want things, right? Um, we all, you know, like let's just use fame, for instance, you know, growing up, you're like, damn, yeah, man, being famous would be so sick. Get all the girls, you know, blah, 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 money. And then uh, – you know, what does that really look like in real life? A lot of people who are famous, you know, it's, it's one of the toughest uh, jobs on the planet just to stay mentally focused and, and to not lose your mind and go crazy when the whole world is, just wants a piece of you, you know? A lot of people, when fame and fortune you know, comes into the picture, they, they just can't handle it and it destroys them. So, you know, yeah, I'd so say the universe or whatever it is kind of saves them from themselves, right? We all want and desire things that, you know, maybe we don't really want because we're not looking at it deep enough, you know? And, uh, I definitely didn't want to be rich and rich and famous. I was looking for 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 other things you know and uh yeah you just you just figure that out when uh when you broke your legs and and uh you're lying you're lying down and you just got a lot of time to think right
0: (laughs) i hope you slap me across the head before i need to fall out of a loop of doom to figure out what i'm running from but I think we've touched on the ego a bit and, and we've shared, I think we've read similar books on it and, and uh, I think later in my career, it was like good and bad to understand the ego and maybe it was maybe the downfall of when I started moving away from racing. When you're associated, when you associate yourself with your results or these feats, Right then there's always going to be a time when you're not fulfilled or or unhappy. But I do believe you need a certain amount of ego to create success. It's like a driving force, but it's about managing and being aware of it. And I think it comes with age. Would you agree that like you need a certain amount of ego to want to do things that have never been done before?
1: Man, I think, you know, we got to start with like, what's your definition of ego? You know, man, there's so, there's, there's, there's so many, you know I, I would love to hear your definition, and then,
0: yeah, fair and enough then maybe I could speak to I that, mean, I think Jeez, if you just put me on the spot now, ego, the driving force, I mean a little bit of is is the validation of wanting to to be validated, to feel good, to be better than someone, um. Yeah, I haven't really taken the time to really define it for myself, I guess. I guess I know of the term. I know when it I know when it rears its head, if that makes sense. Like I think there's healthy ego and and unhealthy ego and there's a reason you do things. So to try to define it for me, I know when I'm showing off or what I get from doing something, you know, that's for the end result and not the process. That to me is the, the kind of the ego, you know, kind of ignoring the reality because you just want to win something at all costs. I think that's a, that's a kind of a dirty place to go.
1: Yeah, totally. And that leads to complete misery. I've seen it with so many people. Um, you know, life is just too good, man. Like you got to enjoy it. And when you start sacrificing, you know, big things in life that give you a lot of pleasure and energy for seconds or for, you know, minute gains, it's definitely not worth it. And your ego could be a big part of that. But, you know, who knows? I think it's I think it's maybe lack of ego that could be a part of that too. You know, it really depends what your definition of it is. I think to me, like ego is your identification with yourself. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's you, right. And if you turn that up, it's not good (laughs) too much self. it's, It's not good, you know, and not enough is also not good. Right. You get trampled. Um, no one listens. So I think it's a knob as a man, and it's really important to know who you are and what your values are and your principles and and the direction in life you want to go. So you can partner up with others and and, uh, make sure you're not getting pulled in any directions that don't lead to your happiness and ultimate well-being. And ego is, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a part of that. You know, like I think a lot of younger men tend to to have that knob pretty high, but you know they're also trying to figure out who they are and what those principles are and and their values, so that when they get a little bit older, they can turn the knob back and and uh, you know support the the tribe or their family or whatever. And you know, I think the danger for a lot of action sport athletes is that – or athletes in general is just that um, the ego knob never gets turned down because it just – basically you go through your youth and it's all about you getting good. And then when you – as soon as you become a professional, the, it just becomes more about the athlete, more about you and every you got this support system basically supporting the athlete but those those years you know those those 20s are really important growth where the man is supposed to kind of switch to you know the switch to the we you know away from the i to the we to supporting you know family supporting friends becoming a man but what kind of ends up happening is the action sport athlete or athletes in general, they don't necessarily go through that and it's all about them. And then whenever the success falls off or or whatever it is, the career starts to slide, the support system leaves. And then you basically have a a man in his thirties who's about as mature as as an eighteen or nineteen year old <laughs> if, you, if you know what I mean. And then that, that could lead to that can lead to It
0: it makes sense, Matt. It makes sense. It's like yeah. the, the action sport or the athlete or the successful person gets spoilt along the way and maybe the ego in a sense is getting spoilt and is never tested. You know, you're not tested to think about anyone else or other things because you just get put on a pedestal. Um, if you're successful, you get away with murder. Let's be very honest. Um, you get away with maybe not growing up. You get away with acting like an idiot after an event because you won. They turn a blind eye. They're like, you know, and sponsors as well. That they wanna, they want their product to be at the you know top of the podium or or whatever it is, um, winning rampage. And, and sometimes athletes get away with a little bit of stuff that they really wouldn't in the normal world. And, and I think that fuels that ego. And I think you described it very well. You know, it, it is it is you, but it shouldn't be your identity in the long run.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, there's so many different ways to describe it, and like, you know, I'm not. I don't have a degree in these uh, in these areas, you know. But I think actions. I think that's more like man, I've seen that more in athletes. You know, action sport athletes tend to not. You know be like that because the support system is much smaller and you know I think I think it can go either way really you know like sometimes action sports and becoming professional athlete can just fuel a man's kind of evolution and sometimes it can really stunt it. But yeah it's it's interesting to to talk about it. And in, in my case in particular the the loop definitely uh the definitely you know I would say put the jet fuel on uh, my personal evolution as a man
0: yeah like I've always so when speaking about it so I've always related back to this story or something that helped me explain it and and it goes back to say Lance Armstrong or or many a president that has you know his self-ego of competitiveness gets him to the top um, and if you think about Lance Armstrong now I'm not going to get too deep into what he did or didn't do but When he came back to that last tour, and he was sitting in, say, and I'll butcher a bit, so he was, say, in third place, doing very well considering he had retired for a number of years, etc. And then he got popped in that last tour for taking performance-enhancing drugs, if I've got it correctly. And to me, it was almost like he couldn't be satisfied with getting third. He had to get better. It had to be more. Even though he'd proven everything and he had the seven- yellow jerseys and they hadn't taken them away from him yet. And then he comes back and after all that time he just couldn't manage that ego or that competitive drive to do more, you know? He could have maybe got away with everything if he didn't just do it that one last time to get a little bit better result. That's like the one way I describe like how an ego pushes you to the top and I'm not condoning condoning cheating and performance enhancing drugs but I'm just like relating it back to that competitiveness and that self ego that he just couldn't be satisfied with where he was at that time.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's difficult, right? Like obviously each of these athletes, there's so many instances that, you know, it's not just Lance Armstrong. No, I'm not going to single him out. No, Yeah. So, so many athletes fall into that trap and, you know, that's why I think it's important. Um it's important for us to, to look inside and figure out who we are and what we're there for, you know, and, and to keep it fun and and to especially in our sport, you know, because Lance was used use Lance as an example, but you know, Lance's sport is not particularly dangerous, but riding bikes, you know, especially big jumps you know, any ride, you could easily end it like all, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like this is a very dangerous sport. So you definitely need to look inside yourself and, and, and ask yourself, you know, why are you taking these risks? Why are you putting your helmet on? Why are you getting out there? You know, and if it's for a win, it's not the right answer. You know, it needs to be a deep drive from within that every time you grab your handlebars it just fulfills you and that's the only thing that's that's worth it you know a lot of people especially with the sponsorship dreams and all that stuff you kind of forget about it but i think ultimately if you're gonna have a career of any longevity um it's important to connect to that and and understand um why you're doing it you know and and also that will lead to you just being authentic and in a world where there's so many cameras there's so many people watching um authentic authenticity is is really what's valued by these brands so you know it's really important to to as an athlete to connect to your uh, your own authenticity and your own love and you know get away from from uh from the results of that and for for some people there's some people that are you know that it's completely lined up you know to win yeah it's in line with their you know with 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 all that but you know for most people it's not and it's just unfortunate man because they f- you definitely will fall into that trap you'll definitely get burned out and then something that you love you know like biking maybe you're not going to enjoy it as much for the rest of your life and that's simply not worth it
0: yeah, and it's a dangerous road because these uh wanting validation but let's be very honest um if you're not in check with yourself and you haven't reflected, like it's a really addictive feeling like you know, Sean Palmer has famously quoted, like he's chased a lot of feelings uh, in his in his life, and nothing came close to standing on top of that podium. You know, and obviously, you have to be, uh, yeah, really mature to to be able to reflect and understand that it's not maybe a true feeling and it's not your your whole self worth, but it is an addictive feeling. Let's not hide from that. Like when you were young, like it it did give you that good feeling. Maybe it was a bit. Empty, but it's pretty easy to see why people kind of do get addicted to it.
1: Yeah, I mean it's so easy, and like any addiction, you see where it goes. Um, I don't know. I don't know when the last time you saw Sean Palmer was, but dude, I saw him last year. He's not doing good, man. He's he's pretty much addicted to alcohol, uh, drunk all the time, um, hangs out with Cam near Cam Zink's property. And he's pretty much just looks like a old homeless guy. (laughs) You know what I mean? And he's, he's a perfect example of, uh, you know, of, 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 uh, you know, getting addicted to the wind for sure. I mean, and so, so much more, obviously everyone's different, you know, people are really complex and we're talking about these kind of overarching, uh, you know, trends that we see that, that definitely don't apply to to everyone when we get in there with a microscope but yeah dude sean palmer's not doing good now that's for sure
0: well um, if he does hear this i'm f- i've got mad respect for him and and uh i've hung out with him years before that when he came back to the circuit so i'd hope to connect with him i'd love to have a chat with him he's he's still one of my biggest idols and um we feel for you buddy like if you're going through hard times like Man, it's it's tough, Matt. I'll tell you that. Like switching from single-minded focus on one thing, like you know, he was doing snowboarding. And I'm not singling out him, but even myself. Like you did one thing in life, and that was train, prepare, be as good as you can for one goal. And then when that stops, you've got to find your way in life. And and it is a lot more difficult than I think people people know unless you've been through yourself so I can understand where you you kind of want to numb the pain a bit of of not having that goal and and maybe not standing on those on those podiums you mentioned the word fear and that the sport is so dangerous like what are your thoughts on on fear and maybe dealing with it
1: damn that's a that's a good one um first of all like yeah if you guys have any if you guys are stoked or looked up to Sean Palmer, you should for sure write him a message. I don't know how you can reach him, but yeah, for sure. Reach out to him and give him some love for sure. Cause he could definitely use it. Um, fear, uh, yeah. Fear is fear is a cool thing, you know? And my thoughts on fear have recently changed quite a bit. I read this, this book, um, I'm not sure what it's called. Maybe I pull it up on my phone. But this this book basically forced me to challenge the the whole way I thought about fear. You know, the whole basically our whole lives. You know, we're told not to be scared. You know, oh, don't worry, you got nothing to be scared of. Um, that's not that scary. Well, the problem in our sport is it, it is it is really scary. And now how I deal with fear is you know I use it. try to use it as an energy source, you know, whenever it comes up, to try to identify it and feel it to its fullest. And try to I always try to be more analytical, like get some get some sort of uh data behind the fear, you know, because I feel like a lot of the times our fears are irrational, but unfortunately in in action sports that's not really the case. A lot of times your fears are hang on you know because what you're doing is really dangerous <laughs> so you got to collect the data to support um to support you know basically the the, the fact that you're going to survive and I mean for me a lot of that will be just be the work putting in the work getting strong you know um and then just repetition and repeating and just going so when I'm in the moment when I put myself in that moment um oh and and dude and recently uh recently uh um visualization has helped a lot to deal with fear um and when i put myself in that moment you just you just know and you feel the fear and you're like all right and you use it to take it to the next level try to get some sort of accept, acceptance in there you know kind of accept your fear because it it really helps you know you're scared of a certain thing happening to you maybe it's uh missing the landing breaking both your legs and then you look down at your legs and you're like god legs i i love you you're you're (laughs) you're pretty strong and 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 i just you know and you know if i was to break you on this jump i'm you just explore that where that fear goes and then you accept it fully and use it use it as a you know, as, as an energy source, of course, if your brain is working good, um, you won't break your legs, you'll totally stick it and you'll kick ass. But if your brain's not working good, you know, and you're not making good decisions, yeah, you're going to break your legs. So, yeah, I mean, that's kind of a long winded answer, but it changes all the time. But, but right now I deal with fear the way I deal with it. And I, I feel it and I use it as power.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 there it's there for a reason, it really is. And I think the more experienced you get, then you can make more rational decisions on that fear and why you why you're feeling it. But it's definitely not something to be ignored by any means of the imagination. So what is your what does writing mean to you now? Uh, after the, you know, the loop of doom and reflecting and, and doing some hard work on, on why you attempted such a crazy feat and and what life means, to you know. But what does your riding mean to you now,
1: dude? I love riding bikes, man. It's the best. Um, it's one of the best ways to just interact with nature, get in nature. But it's also one of the best ways to test yourself. And what is riding to me now? You know, it's it's so it's so many different things. You know, and I recently watched a Craig Kelly documentary and and a lot of people asked him you know what's snowboarding to you and he was like dude snowboarding's like life because sometimes it's fun sometimes it sucks and sometimes it's just fucking hard work and i'm like oh my god riding bikes is life you know sometimes it's fun sometimes it sucks sometimes it's hard work you know it's like life it's the same as life man and it's awesome, dude. I, I, I've I never loved riding so damn much. And maybe it's because, well, most likely it's because it was all taken away from me. And I always try to remember how lucky I am every time I grab the handlebars and I don't feel any pain. Um, it's just extraordinary, man. I love it. And I'm so inspired by what the heck is going on in the sport. Like I watch... Um, Emil Johansson, you know, uh, Soderstrom, who you had on the podcast, which was an amazing, amazing episode, by the way. Um, you know, uh, reader, um, Tom Van Steenberg, like dude, you know, Reynolds, uh, Nico, dude, I'm just, I'm just so inspired. Andreo, I'm, I'm, I'm inspired. Like everywhere I look, every time I turn on my phone, I just see all this crazy stuff and it just, you know, before I used to see it, it used to kind of give me bad feelings like, "Oh no, I better step my game up, like oh my god, um, I'm not going to be the man." but now it's just completely turned into inspiration, and it makes me excited about like paying attention to where the sport's going and how I can contribute to it and and uh, yeah, and, and I, I never like to ride more than then I do now it's crazy and I'm I'm almost 30 years old it's insane
0: it's like you've you've got a big sense of gratitude it sounds and you've got to remind yourself like if you're like this guy says sometimes riding sucks or it's hard work but you kind of force yourself to go hey i've got a second chance at this it seems
1: yeah i mean it's not even forcing like you know it'll be it, honestly dude it's insane like just like you you know i've I gone through the death of being an athlete twice and, and, and it's just, you know, it can be really tough and be really, uh, struggle. And for some reason, the sport just keeps keeping me around, man. And it feels really good, you know, to, to start getting the love. And, uh, especially now, you know, with, with all my new partnerships leading into next year and, and, uh, all the, the projects I got lined up and, you know, it's, it's truly amazing. Like, like, you know, I'll be completely honest with you. I can't believe it, but dude, I'm bringing it harder than ever right now. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I I love it more than ever, you know, and I'm not, um, uh, I'm not like, uh, distracted by stupid things anymore. I got this wise, wiser brain, you know, that's still learning lots, but, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's amazing and it's exciting. Like, dude, riding big jumps, like, what's better than that, you know? Like, that's something I'm going to do for, you know, hopefully till I'm, like, 50.
0: That's an addictive feeling, isn't it? Like, that, like, nervous of, like, hitting something for the first time. Like, I kind of figured it out. Well, I guess I did it while I was racing. But, you know, you always had a goal to go fast. So, whatever, if the jump was fast, you had to take it. And I always love jumping, but seeing you guys at Darkface like and like the unknown of hitting that thing for the first time and then the feeling once you do it, like that's pretty annoyingly addictive from what I can tell.
1: Yeah, I mean it's I wouldn't even say addictive, dude. Yeah, I mean for some people, yeah, maybe it's addictive. I don't know what it is. It's uh it's an extraordinary feeling and it's just that feeling of coming up against yourself. You yeah, know, like you pushing yourself, huh? Yeah, exactly. You have these beliefs, capable of doing, and you get out there and 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 you open the doors every session to 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 expanding yourself, and it's beautiful, and it just just shows you, you know, your mind is right sometimes it's wrong, you know. For me in particular, like I grew up very old riding street first you know, five years of my professional career, I was the street guy, <laughs> And you know, to, to, to come full circle now to jump the biggest jumps, like in the world is crazy, man. And it's just like, you know, I never would have thought that, that that was possible, but that's just the growth. And that's just where the love takes you. And you keep following the love, you keep having fun and it fulfills you. And, yeah, it just makes you fills you up with love and then you get to go out in the world and just be the best person you can be and you know my bicycle gives me that and and I would uh I would do that whether I was whether I was paid to or whether I wasn't it doesn't make a difference.
0: Matt, and for a guy that flew out of a 40 foot loop of doom and I've called crazy multiple times on this podcast. I I mean you're inspiring me to to think more to grow, keep growing, and, and challenge myself. And you're sharing that journey um, with your podcast. Tell the listeners where they can find that and kind of like an overview of, of your journey with that.
1: Yeah, I mean, podcasting has been great. It's uh, really just been my um, you know, my, my way to give back to the community. I, I've been through so much, um, and I understand that I'm not the only person going through uh, tough times and struggles, so I just wanted to open the doors of my struggle to to just share it with people and share the things that I've learned with with others, and and also like share the, some of the most you know incredible stories in action sports. There's so many incredible people in the action sports community, and a lot of us don't have the, um, the channels to tell, to tell true authentic struggle. So I opened up the podcast to basically share, share the struggle, man, share the hard times, but also, you know, not just in a, in a big pity party sense, but to share the learnings, you know, that led to good times and how we got out of the hard times. And it's been amazing. The feedback from the podcast has been, so strong and it just fills my heart, man. Like every time I get a message about some kid or somebody reaching out about the podcast, it just fills my heart and inspires me more to, to go out there and, and bring it even harder and just keep living, you know, how, how you find, how you found the podcast by the way. Well, I guess we'll find out on my podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can find dude, and you can find my podcast on my Instagram. I got a link there or you can just search Matt McDuff show.
0: Yeah, that's what I wanted to get at. So, listeners, it's the Matt McDuff show. He's got really wide variety of guests, guys that have been through some really bad injuries, tough times. So, yeah, I've enjoyed it, dude. I've enjoyed seeing your journey and like I say, you could easily pigeonhole you as this crazy creative free ride mountain biker which they get a bad rep for, but I mean, listening to you brett reader uh, you guys are so thoughtful reflective it's not just like oh i'm gonna hit this jump and do a 720 it should work out like that's just not happening i think it's awesome to get a look into you guys kind of the heads and what goes on behind the scenes so yeah make sure you go and check out the matt mcduff show and yeah you're sending it harder than ever so just matt mcduff on instagram where else can they follow along
1: I mean, uh, I mean, at the time, that's that's about it. I give a big shout out to therise. dot and yeah, and look out for uh, some some sick projects coming here in the next uh, in the next months. Um, and of course, you know, more for the future. And if you resonated with the podcast, send me a DM, and I'll uh, do my best to to get back to you.
0: Yeah, likewise, I I appreciate all the feedback, and and it is cool, hey, like, kind of hopefully giving back, I guess that's what I've got from the podcast as well, like, trying to hand over some knowledge that I gained, as well as, like, connections, and give some guys some value, some entertainment, so yeah, send us both some direct messages on what you liked, what you didn't like, and uh, Matt... I kind of feel this is going to be one of many. Um, I think we only just got into some of those subjects. I've got a whole list that I didn't even get to, some of these questions I wanted to kind of just pick your brain on. But thanks so much for your time, and I can't wait till the next one. Thanks, man.
1: It was my pleasure. Thanks for the opportunity.
0: Another big shout out to Matt for coming on the show. Thanks so much for making the time, Matt. Hey, and being so raw, authentic, and honest about all you went through. It must have been hard to relive some of those emotions. So guys, you know what to do. If you like the show, share it with a friend. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review, send me a message, whatever you want to do. I enjoy it. I see all those things. And guys, before you head out, my friends at E13 are going to hook you up. If you go to the website, www.e13.com, spelled out, E and then 13 spelled out, and you punch in my code, Neetling21, and it's my last name, I'll spell that again, it's N-E-E-T-H-L-I-N-G, and then the number's 21, so two and a one, you are gonna get 15% off the whole website. If you've been looking for those new wheels, those awesome carbon wheels that I run, love those things they are bomb proof hey they make aluminium ones as well or cassettes dropper posts i don't know what you need but if you want to spoil yourself make sure you go do that again my code nietling 21 and you go to the e13 website you'll get 15 percent off till the next episode stay well